welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello and thank you for listening to this show today. Let's imagine a not so uncommon situation. You have to schedule a new speech on your agenda for tomorrow or even for today and you don't have time to write the script. What can you do? Our today's special guest will convince us that the best way is not writing your speech but outlining your speech. Christine Clapp is a communication consultant and coach based in Washington, D.C. Last year, 2014, she published a co-author book, Presenting at Work, a guide to public speaking in professional contexts. She is lecturer of public speaking at George Washington University. She has been awarded as a distinguished Toastmaster, and she's a regular contributor to Toastmasters magazine. Hello, Christine. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great having you here, Christine. Could you tell us more about yourself and your projects? Great. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. I develop the voice of experts who want to broaden their impact. And as you mentioned, I do communication consulting for individuals, and I also do workshops and training programs for groups. And I typically work with professionals at law firms, trade associations, corporations, and consulting firms. And what I do is I help these professionals craft memorable presentations and deliver them with confidence. And my goal really is to help transform subject experts into thought leaders. So there's a little overview about what I do. Again, I'm based here in Washington, D.C., but I work with speakers across the U.S. and also in other countries. Oh, that sounds excellent. And when did you get involved in public speaking? As a child, I was always afraid of public speaking. And when mm. I got to college, I absolutely loved my major, which was rhetoric, the study mm. of persuasion. And as a requirement of my major, I had to participate in a semester of the debate club. Mm -hmm. I lost all 12 of my first 12 debates because mm. I was terrible at it. And in one of my debates against a top team in the Pacific Northwest where I went to school, I realized that my opponents weren't better or smarter than me. They were much more articulate. Mm -hmm. They made cogent arguments and they could think on their feet. And mm -hmm. I knew in that debate that I wanted to become a great speaker and I wanted to empower other people with public speaking skills. And that's exactly what I did. I went from going 0-12 my freshman year And I went my sophomore year, I qualified to go to nationals in my form of debate and debated nationally and internationally throughout the rest of my college career. I went on to graduate school to study public speaking, public address at the University of Maryland College Park. And since then, I have been teaching at the George Washington University. And I also started my business, Spoken with Authority, in late 2008. So it's something that really came to me and became a passion of mine when I was just 18 years old, and now it's my full-time uh, work, it's my, my life's goal to help people become more effective communicators and to really empower them to reach their full potential. 
That sounds great. And it's uh, so interesting that you have this uh, this big challenge uh, when you started do, doing with the debates. Right. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because many people assume that because I do lots of public speaking now and because I help presenters that it comes very easily to me. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. I was very much in the same position as many of my clients and, and students are in, which is they are not comfortable with speaking. And I think that that makes me a more credible coach and consultant. It's just like if you were to hire a nutritionist or a personal trainer, you wouldn't want someone who was overweight or unhealthy <laughs> because clearly they aren't taking their own advice. They they And I would think that if you were working with a personal trainer, if you worked with someone who had been overweight but had overcome that mm -hmm. and learned how to adapt to a healthy lifestyle, that that would be even more credible. So in that sense, I feel like I really relate to my clients and they can see, wow, it's possible to turn things around and to really improve in this area of your life. And I do think that there's a misconception that you're either born as a natural public speaker or not. I think that anyone with time, with practice, with dedication can become a really great public speaker. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Christine. I mentioned already you published a book last year. Could you tell us a bit more about this book? Yeah, thanks for asking about the book. I wrote it with my first debate partner mm -hmm. after my terrible freshman year. This was the person I started debating with my sophomore year in college. His name is Bjorn Stillian Southard and is a dear friend of mine. He now teaches at the University of Georgia Athens in the Department of Communication Studies. About three and a half years ago, Bjorn emailed me and he said, he said in the email, Christine, I'm thinking about writing a book on public speaking, but I don't want it to be like the textbooks that are available to us for our students that are filled with lots of theories that aren't very applicable, that have lots of glossy photos, and just not that relevant to the kind of speaking that people do in their professional lives. And I said, oh my gosh, it's so crazy that you emailed me about this idea because in fact, I've written out a table of contents and have already started drafting chapters of a book exactly mm -hmm. like this. And our goal was to write a book that would be absolutely practical for people in the workplace. And it breaks down public speaking into the how you say it and the what you say. So the, the content and delivery, if you will, of public speaking. And we go through lots of different specific types of speaking that you can do as a professional, whether it's a job interview going to a networking event and introducing yourself, leading a meeting, pitching a client, giving a, a panel presentation, or giving a keynote address at a conference, all sorts of different types of speaking situations. We even talk about how to give a toast because it's something that many professionals and people do in the course of their lives and it's an important speaking situation. Our goal is to make something that was accessible in the sense that it was a low price point and that it was an easy read, something that you could pick up and take some tips away in five or 10 minutes. So it's $20 on Amazon, and it is something that is broken down into very short, easy to consume chapters with lots of examples and illustrations. And we want it to be something that people will use time and time again. And we've heard from some of the readers that they keep it on their iPad, or they have it on their bookshelf. And whenever they have to lead a meeting or together a webinar, they just 
open up that chapter and review it. And it's a really helpful desk reference, if you will, for people. And that couldn't make us more pleased to hear that people are using that in that manner, because that's what we were hoping. Oh, that sounds absolutely uh, very practical. As you said, all the different kinds of uh, speeches or opportunities to, to speak that are, are common in the professional sphere. Exactly. And that's a good point, is that many times when people hear public speaking, they think of a formal mm. speech that's mm. given at a lectern, more yes. of the type of thing that we do at Toastmasters. And while that certainly is addressed in our book, we take the view that when you are leading a meeting or when you are having a conversation with a colleague or a prospective client on the phone, that the same principles that make a great speech at Toastmasters or a fantastic keynote presentation or a wonderful TED Talk are the same basic principles that are applicable in situations where it's one-on-one, -on -one, where it's sitting down, where it's on the phone, but it still requires best practices of public speaking to be successful. And we feel that's one of the reasons why some professionals make missteps in their communication skills is that they walk into a meeting without the kind of preparation mm -hmm. that they would if they were giving a TED Talk or a keynote yes. at a conference. But a meeting can be much more important to your career mm -hmm. if you are trying to land a big client or trying to get a promotion to take your career to the next level. And the book addresses those different kinds of situations and how to do them well. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Christine, now uh, let's focus on outlining a speech. Why did you design this method? What was your motivation? The reason why I created a method for outlining speeches, and in the book you'll find that it's called the sandwich structure, and also I call it my Oreo outline. <laughs> the reason why I developed this is because my students and my clients all wanted to deliver extemporaneous speeches, meaning speeches where they had done research and where they had rehearsed and where they could speak conversationally, but from a very well-structured presentation. And the problem was, was that people didn't have an effective way of taking something to the lectern with them to keep them on track. Because what people knew how to do is they know how to write a word-for-word -word manuscript mm -hmm. or an essay. And people also know how to do a Roman numeral outline that many mm -hmm. of us learned how to do in, in grade school, perhaps, to organize a paper. But neither of those, a manuscript or Roman numeral outline, neither of them are particularly useful when it comes to giving an extemporaneous speech. And I came up with the Oreo outline or the sandwich structure as a way to adapt a Roman numeral outline and to make it much more useful for public speakers. Okay, sounds excellent. And now could you explain us more in detail how this Oreo method works? Yeah, the sandwich structure, the Oreo outline, it, has four ways that it's different from a standard Roman numeral outline. And the first way that it's different is that it's mm -hmm. limited to one piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And by limiting it to one piece of paper, this is important because it forces you to use words and phrases rather than writing out full sentences or paragraphs. What happens when you write out full sentences and paragraphs is that it becomes less conversational You and I have been taught to write for the eye and not the ear. Mm. Speech writers are trained to write for the ear, and they are very highly skilled and highly paid because it's a specialized thing to do. And most of us don't have that specialization, so we write for the eye 
And when we read a speech that's been written for the eye, it comes across as not being conversational. We use words that we wouldn't normally use in conversation, and it sounds scripted and, and a bit distant, if you will. Too formal. It doesn't feel like a one-on-one conversation to a large group of people. The other reason why having it on one piece of paper is helpful is because in addition to forcing you to write just words and phrases, it allows you to find your place on the piece of paper when you lose your train of thought. One of the biggest fears that people I work with tell me is that they fear that they will freeze in the middle of a speech and that they won't know what to say. And if you put your words and phrases and ideas on one sheet of paper and organize them from left to right, you can at any moment know where to look down on the piece of paper if you get lost. And you know that the beginning of your speech is always on the left, the middle of your speech is always on the middle of your page, and the end of your speech is always on the right-hand side. So you have it one page, which is the first main difference. You have it oriented horizontally, which means that you have it landscape mode going left to right rather than top to bottom. So those are the first two differences. The third difference of the sandwich structure or the Oreo outline is actually having a quote-unquote Oreo. What I have speakers do is I have them create a line at the very top of the page and a line at the very bottom of the page. And within that small section that looks like the cookie crust of a quintuple stuffed Oreo, (laughs) have them write out word for word the first line or two of their speech and the final line or two of their speech. The reason why I do that is because the first words out of your mouth And the last words out of your mouth during a presentation are the most important. It sets the stage for the presentation, whether it's people are going to listen to you. It needs to be catchy, memorable, Mm -hmm. interesting. And then at the end, you need to call back to whatever you opened with in the beginning, whether it was a fact, a statistic, a quotation, a story, a joke, you name it. doesn't matter what you start with as long as it's interesting. (laughs) And then you want to call back to it at the end so your speech comes full circle, it has finality, and people know that you're done. They, you don't have that awkward moment at the end where people don't know if they should clap for you and you have to say, thank you, that's it, I'm done. That's not a strong way to end a speech. So by having that Oreo concept, it's there, it's on the page. I recommend that speakers memorize that opening and the mm. closing yes, because yes. deliver it exactly word for word as you had planned. It's a way to get you going when you're especially nervous at the beginning. But in the worst case scenario, if you freeze at the beginning because you're so nervous, you can still read it. And even though it will be in the manuscripts mode of speaking, you can have it for the first line or two, get your bearings, build your confidence, and then switch into that extemporaneous conversational mode for the body of your speech. So we've talked about how to have one page for the outline, how to orient it horizontally. We talked about having that Oreo concept for the introduction and conclusion. The last way that the Oreo outline is different than the Roman numeral outline is that it has, I call them ocular cues or visual cues mm-hmm. to remind you of doing some of the best practices of public speaking. And these best practices are having a central idea that you write in and that you are sure to share with your audience after your catchy introductory line or two, tell them what it is that you are talking about. Then you have a preview of your material. You tell your audience how you're going to move through your speech in a specific way. As you go from one part of the speech to another, 
I have people write on their paper a T with a box or a circle around it, and that just stands for the word transition. And when you see it on your outline, you remember as a speaker, oh, that's right, I need to transition, transition from that first idea to the second idea. And to say something as simple as, oh, now that we've talked about this, now let's talk about that. And you've even heard me doing this in my response to you as I've gone through the four reasons why the Oreo outline is different than a Roman numeral outline. I've been transitioning for you. And then at the end of your speech, before that catchy Oreo to close things up and come full circle, you review your material. And you just write the word review. You don't have to write it out word for word. You don't want to junk up your piece of paper with a lot of text. Just have the word review and it reminds you to do that. So that's why for the Oreo outline, there's those four ways that I made it different than a standard Roman numeral outline, which is it's limited to one page. It has orientation that is horizontal rather than vertical. The third is that it has the Oreo. And the fourth is that it has ocular cues or visual cues to remind you to do that signposting or that transitioning between ideas. Oh, yeah, it sounds very, very convincing. I really have to try it. And it's true, for instance, the, the, first, um, the first point is the, the, the one single sheet is... It's very useful because it's, it's um, I think I'm very rarely I have one single page if I write a whole text. And also if I, if you have the, the handouts, you print the handouts of your, let's say your PowerPoint also go, gives at many, many pages usually. And that gets more complicated, but having only one is also a really big advantage. Absolutely. And the other thing about the Oreo outline is that I encourage speakers to use that as their notes for the speaker. You're speaking notes at the lectern. Mm -hmm. All too often what happens is that speakers, they put their speaking notes on PowerPoint slides. And what happens is they end up reading their slides to an audience. Well, that's not interesting. That's not conversational. It is somewhat insulting to your audience because your audience can read it just as well as you can. That's why I encourage people to have their Oreo outline in front of them as their speaker's notes which frees up their PowerPoint slides as a means of showing interesting visual information to supplement what it is that they're saying. And that visual information, it could be a photo, it could be a diagram, it could be a map, it could be a chart, it could be a video, it could be a anything that's visual, it could be a cartoon, whatever it is. But it's there to supplement what you're saying to make it more memorable, to make it more understandable, but it's not using PowerPoint as your speaking notes. Your speaking notes should be on the Oreo outline. What goes on the screen behind you should be limited to what makes it more engaging, interesting, and memorable and understandable for your listeners. Sure. You already mentioned that this, is, this can be applied to a, a full speech, to a PowerPoint presentation, in I guess in other other cases of uh, of speeches, but in in which cases also works the best, and in which cases, let's say it doesn't work, or or this method works for any any kind of speech. Yeah, this also works for leading a meeting. You can mm -hmm. put your meeting together based on the Oreo outline, thinking of what the main idea is for your meeting and the elements that you have to cover in order to achieve the goal. You can also use the Oreo outline if you are giving a toast. Mm -hmm. You can, oftentimes a toast is driven by stories. So start with a quotation perhaps, and then tell one or two anecdotes about the person or the couple that's being honored. 
and then close by relating the stories to the theme with a poignant sentiment at the end where you toast to them. You can use it if you are moderating a panel presentation. The main ideas in the body of this speech will actually be delivered by your panelists if they do prepared remarks or it will be mostly question and answer. But to think about a panel presentation as the moderator is doing the introductory Oreo, the central idea, the preview, transitioning between the speakers, the speakers giving some of the body of the quote unquote speech, then the moderator leading Q&A, wrapping things up, with review the highlights, and then linking to the introductory statement. You can also use the Oreo outline if you need to give a manuscript speech, meaning it's written out word for word and is read. The times when it's appropriate to have a written out word for word speech is when the exactness of message is important. Mm -hmm. If you are a CEO of a company speaking to shareholders, if you are someone who is in government or politics and you are laying out a policy speech, these are times when exactness of message can really have consequences. If you are speaking extemporaneously and say something a little off, you would definitely want to have a manuscript. Mm -hmm. What you can do with the Oreo outline is you can sketch out a speech using the Oreo outline. Then you can say it out loud, talk through it a few times. And then once you have it down, once you have a smooth flow of it, then you can record yourself saying it out loud. You can run it through speech recognition software and then clean it up, make it better mm -hmm. on the written form. And what that does is it allows you to become a great speechwriter and it allows you to sound conversational without having to learn how to be a speechwriter. You're using your own words, you're using your own tone, and you are still getting the exactness of message with a manuscript speech. The time when I don't think the Oreo outline is very helpful is for something like a speech of introduction. Because it's mm. so short and because there's so many details in it, I think mm. that makes most sense to do a speech of introduction where you simply write out a few lines word for word in order to introduce the person. Uh, the other time when people don't think you can use the Oreo outline, but you really can, is when you are speaking off the cuff or doing impromptu mm. speaking. For people who do Toastmasters, this is table topics. The way that you use the Oreo outline, is a, it's a little bit adapted, but it works really well, and you can think about your response in a structured way, and this is how you do it. You don't necessarily have time to write it out. You just have to do it mentally. But instead of having that catchy opening, what you can do is you can start by repeating or rephrasing the question. Mm -hmm. Oscar, thank you so much for asking me about X topic. And then you <laughs> give your position. That's the central idea. In fact, here's what I think about it. And you give the central idea. Then you tell your audience, there's two reasons why I think X, reason one and reason two. You go through reason one and reason two. If it's off the cuff, you're probably giving examples or telling stories. And then at the end, you repeat reason one and reason two and say, that's why I believe X. Thanks again for asking about Y. So you can use the Oreo outline structure in order to give responses to off-the-cuff questions, whether you are in an interview like I'm doing with you. You could do it for a question and answer session at a panel presentation or after a speech. You can do it during a job interview. You can do it if your supervisor or colleague asks you a question at the office or in a meeting. And you can even do it and practice it when you're having conversations 
at networking events, Mm -hmm. or you can do it having conversations with friends and family to get you into that habit of being concise and being structured. It makes you look so polished and professional when you're able to be structured and be pointed off the cuff without having any practice. Oh, yes. Now you convince me that almost all speaking uh, situations can be using this this tool. Sounds very, very convincing, very good tool. Eh? Well, I'm glad you're convinced. I hope your <laughs> listeners will also consider trying it out. In fact, I have a free speech planning tool on my website. Mm-hmm. My website is spokenwithauthority.com. And on spokenwithauthority.com, on the homepage, there's a button for my speech planning tool. And it allows you to do the Oreo outline or the sandwich structure. And I guide you through it. And it gives you little warnings. If you have too much text for your introduction or conclusion, it says might want to keep it a little shorter. Or if you have too much text and you're starting to write out full sentences in the points and subpoints, it will remind you to use words and phrases. It helps you, especially when you're new to the Oreo outline, make sure that you are following the guidelines of what makes a good Oreo outline. Another benefit of it is that it is on your computer. You can print it off. Mm-hmm. And it makes the text larger, so it's easy to read. Mm. And if you're like me, my handwriting is not so great. I have a lot of students and clients who just use a piece of notebook paper or legal pad to do an Oreo outline on. But if you notice that your handwriting is difficult to read, putting it on the computer can just make it that much easier for you when you're giving the speech. Oh, absolutely. Sounds like a great tool. Christine, I would like to ask you, you mentioned at first, at some point, Uh, transforming an expert to a thought leader. How does this work? The way that you transform an expert to a thought leader is by developing your communication skills, doing all the things that you've been, we've been talking about in terms of content and in terms of the speech delivery. There are five areas that I think that speakers need to develop because you can't have a speech that is all content and not effective delivery. And vice versa, you can't have a speech that is all delivery and no content. But the people who I work with, they're experts. Once they use the Oreo outline, they really are able to structure their message, be really pointed with it. So for them, the next step is to work on the delivery so that it's engaging and that it really captures the attention of listeners. The five areas, the pillars, I would say, of speaking with confidence are first is your stance, your posture, the way you're moving your body. The second is your sound or your vocal quality, making sure that you're loud and slow and easy to understand. The third is your smile or facial expressions. It's most often appropriate to smile when you're speaking. Sometimes when you're delivering bad news, it makes sense that you wouldn't smile. Mm -hmm. But having strong facial expressions to match what it is that you're talking about. The fourth pillar of speaking with confidence is silence or avoiding junk words. Junk words are words like um, ah, like, you know, so. In Toastmasters, we have the um and ah counter to help us with that. But it's something that all speakers need to work on is pausing and being silent between sentences or while they're getting their next thought rather than filling time in with that junk word. And then the fifth pillar of speaking with confidence is sight or eye contact, which is promoted enormously by using the Oreo outline because you're not reading a script anymore. You're just looking briefly at your Oreo outline when you need to get your next thought, then looking up and telling your audience about it. 
So as people are making that transition from an expert to a thought leader, you're developing your communication skills, you're learning how to connect what you know and make it useful to other people, and to do it in a way that is compelling, that is confident, that is professional, that is polished. And that requires getting good at those five elements of speaking with confidence. The first thing that I work on with my experts is to avoid distractions, such as repetitive hand movements, Mm -hmm. such as junk words, such as flitting your eyes around and not having lasting eye contact. And then once we get rid of the distractions, then we work on adding in interesting elements with the five S's, such as having big gestures with your hands, such as using vocal variety, changes in your pitch, tone, and intonation, using interesting facial expressions by using dramatic pauses, and by making lasting eye contact with members of our audience. And even for some of my advanced speakers, going without notes by memorizing the Oreo outline and speaking without notes at all, more of the TED Talk style of speaking. Sure. Christine, please share with us your favorite quotation. One of my favorite quotations is by Diana Boer, and it's B-O-O-H-E-R. And the quotation is, if you can't write your message in a sentence, you can't say it in an hour. When you're working on the Oreo outline, it's important that you identify the central idea of your speech first. I want to inform my audience of X. I want to persuade them to do Y. And to be very crystal clear about what your message is, to make sure that it's a message that is reasonable to achieve with your particular audience and the particular amount of time that you have to speak to them. And that's the starting point of a great speech. You want to find a central idea that lies at the intersection of what you know, what you're an expert on, and what your audience needs or wants to know. And then you can build a great outline from there. But what happens with many speakers, especially speakers who write a manuscript, is they don't take that step of identifying their central idea. And again, like Diana said, if you can't say it in one sentence or one phrase, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how long you have to speak to your audience, they're never going to get it. And that is a great reminder to be crystal clear about our purpose, Mm -hmm. what our goal is whenever we're giving a presentation. Sure, it's all about clarity. Exactly. Christine, could you recommend us one book that has inspired you and you think our listeners should read it? Yes. The book I would recommend for your listeners is Presentation Zen by Gar Reynolds. And for people who are not familiar with it, it's a book that focuses on the importance of visual aids mm-hmm. to supplement what it is that you're saying. And for anyone who is starting to work with my sandwich structure, The next step is to read Presentation Zen because what it does is it gives you permission not to put text on your slides and not to read Mm. your slides, which I'm advocating, which Gar Reynolds takes the next step and he shows you how you can make a great visual presentation. I am not a graphic designer and I don't have a creative eye. I'm a great presentation skills coach and consultant. But I have graphic designers on my team who help my speakers with the creation of the PowerPoint slides. So I'll have a vision and I'll work with my clients on that vision of a storyboard for what we want the presentation to look like. And then we use graphic designers to execute on that plan for the Prezi, for the PowerPoint, for Mm -hmm. the keynote, or for the handout that we're supplementing the presentation with. And I would like to inspire your listeners to take that step towards 
having visual presentations and not having text laden slides, which is all too common, at least in the US in business presentations. And then to consider hiring a graphic designer to help make those visual slides even more compelling. Because again, I'm not a trained speechwriter, so it doesn't make sense for me to spend a lot of time writing things out word for word. I'm not a graphic designer, so it doesn't make sense trying to make a great PowerPoint slide with special design elements. I hire that out because it's something that a graphic designer can do really well in a few hours. Oh yeah, that's a very great piece of advice because I think almost nobody can escape from presentations from time to time, at least. Exactly. <laughs> Christine, this is almost the end of the interview. Finally, I want to ask you, could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend doing it daily or weekly as a routine to shine? For a routine to shine, my biggest piece of advice would be make sure you are getting enough sleep. <laughs> it sounds obvious, but at the same time, what I notice is that oftentimes when speakers are preparing for a presentation, they will allow their last minute preparation to trump sleep, rest, mm. and getting five or six additional rehearsals in at the expense for five extra hours of sleep at night is a terrible idea. It's a point of diminishing returns. What I want you to do is I want you to be able to, I recommend rehearsing a speech at least six times before you deliver it. Ideally, you want to start that process about a week ahead of time and do one or two rehearsals sure. on sure. most days. You can't cram for a speech just like it's not effective to cram for an exam either. And then make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Because the ability to look at a sandwich structure, to look at the Oreo outline, at a word or phrase, to look up and to rely on your rehearsal and to talk about it conversationally to your audience, you can only do that if you're rested, if you have been, uh, if you've eaten properly, if you're hydrated. You can't perform at your best if, if you're not physically at your best. So just take care of yourself. Get your eight hours of sleep and work on making sure you have food and that you're hydrated. And that I think is a really important element of shining, whether you're giving a presentation or doing anything else in your professional life. Christine, this has uh, been a great interview. Nice talking with you, bringing so much information and stories about this outlining a speech. And could you tell us now how our listeners can learn more about you or follow you? What's the best way? Perfect. In terms of learning about me and finding my speech planning tool, uh, my website again is www.spokenwithauthority.com. Your listeners, if they're interested on my website, also can sign up for my newsletter where I provide tips and advice on presentations. Another way to follow me is on Twitter. My handle is at Christine Clapp, C-L-A-P-P. And I'm also on LinkedIn if people are interested in connecting with me in that venue as well. So my website, my speech planning tool, my newsletter, Twitter, and perhaps LinkedIn are really great ways to get in touch with me. Oh, yes, there are many, many ways to find you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Christine. It was a, it was a pleasure talking with you and all the best. Thank you so much and best of luck to you and all of your listeners. Thank you, Christine. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website www.timetoshinepodcast.com. Welcome to listen to us again next week. Bye.